0: This is the Golf Life Faith Podcast brought to you by College Golf Fellowship. I'm Toby Ragland, one of your hosts. Another host is Jace Barber. And we are CGF staff members full-time. We love serving the world of college golf. And this podcast is going to be conversations uh, with our PGA Tour partners, with CGF and other partners in the world of golf. And we hope you learn a lot. Uh, We certainly will along the way. Hope you join us for the journey and learn all areas golf life.
1: And faith. Hey everyone, Jace Barber with College Golf Fellowship here. Scotty Scheffler is going to be our guest on the show today, and he doesn't need much of an introduction, but I just want to run through some of the incredible highlights and statistics that come alongside Scotty. He was an incredible junior and amateur golfer. He won 74 times in Texas uh, as a junior golfer. You heard that right, 74 times. He was a part of the Walker Cup team. He played in the U.S. Open as an amateur. He was the NCAA Freshman of the Year, and the list goes on. Uh, As a professional, he won two times on the Corn Ferry Tour. He was 2019's Corn Ferry Tour Player of the Year. Uh, He was only the 11th player to shoot 59 on the PGA Tour. Uh, He did that in the playoffs, and he was the 2020 PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. Uh, previously we had recorded the podcast and I had said that he was yet to win on the PGA tour keyword yet. Uh, but since then he has gone on to win the waste management Phoenix open and is now a PGA tour winner. Scotty is a great friend of CGF. He's a great friend of ours and we look forward to you listening to the show.
0: This is Toby Ragland here with the golf life faith podcast. We are sitting in a house on St. Simon's Island that we have rented for a CGF retreat. Uh, we're joined by 12 college golfers. I've got Jace Barber, What's here. up?
1: How are you doing, Toby? I'm great. We just Let's... played some golf. Yes, we did. We watched some golf this morning. It was great.
0: Yeah, so we are also joined by Mr. Scotty Scheffler playing in the RSM this week. Scotty, how's it going?
2: It's going good. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah. Let, we're just going to dive right in and ask you some questions, see how it goes. What I want to start with is... You know, this is a very generic golf question, but what's your lowest round?
2: My lowest round is 58. Um, I've shot 59 twice now, and then I shot 58 a few weeks ago, Just fun. So walk us – I mean, so
0: you've shot 59 twice. I didn't even know that when we were thinking we were going to talk about 58. But <laughs> what, what is shooting 58? Walk us through that round.
2: So I, I haven't been playing very good this fall. And I noticed when I start playing better in tournaments, I have some pretty like really or some pretty good rounds at home. And I was thinking to myself, I haven't really had a crazy round at Royal Oaks recently, and so I was going into our last round before I left for um, Mexico. and I was testing out these different putter grips. I went through like a putter grip experiment just because I was having trouble getting my uh, hands comfortable in the club and in the same position each time, and. I was going through the testing, did it all. I found one I was comfortable with, played a few rounds, and I went out to Royal Oaks. I played in our regular um, Friday money game, and I just got really hot and just made a a, a ton of birdies. So when you shoot
1: 58 (laughs) in a money game, do you you win any money?
2: Well, usually I would win a ton of money. This time I didn't win as much money because I went on another podcast and I made fun of the guys that I play with and said that I don't give them nearly enough strokes thinking they wouldn't listen to this podcast, but they listened to it, and then I paid the price for it,
1: literally. Classic.
0: If you shoot 58 and you've given too many shots, that's you're given too many shots, let's be honest there. <laughs> I don't think they're going to give me any back
2: after shooting 58, though.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I guess if you shoot 59 on the PGA Tour in an event, then they're probably thinking you can do that when you're home. So it makes a little bit of sense of strategy on their part. It's good strategy on their part. Really good.
0: So we've, we've established you're really good at this game. So the Ryder Cup, we we got to see a lopsided victory there. Um, awesome uh, post-Ryder Cup interview with the team. That was fun to watch. But tell us about that experience.
2: I mean, the experience was, was crazy. I, I dreamed of being on that team pretty much as long as I've been playing golf. I love the Ryder Cup. I love playing for our country. I mean, it was just a – I mean, it really a dream come true for me to be on that team and then for us to win in the fashion that we did was really cool as well. Just, I mean, wasn't close. It was was nice. It was a good week.
0: At what point did you feel like you guys were pulling away a lot? What was the comfort level at that lead?
2: I don't think you ever really feel that comfortable. I think the pressure is still there. And Bryson and I on Saturday afternoon flipped our match. And it was one of those situations, I can't remember exactly what the point differential was, but it was something where if we lost our match, it's really worth two points just because um, we go up one or down one regardless. And we're going out Friday afternoon and we're one down going with like four holes to go. And I kind of look at the leaderboard and we had won every session from then three to one. So it was 9-3. And then I think it was... 10-5 I believe and so if we lose that match Bryce and I do it goes to 10-6 and 10-6 was what it was at Medina in 2012. And so for us to be able to flip that match in the afternoon and go up 11-5 was definitely huge but going into Sunday it still doesn't really feel safe cuz I mean anything can happen and fortunately we got off to a hot start and closed it out early and was able to kind of enjoy the rest of the afternoon on Sunday.
1: So let's uh, let's talk about Sunday though so you're playing John Rom he has been playing lights out, especially this week. And then you come head to head with him and you get off to an insanely good start. So just talk us through not only the start, just like the mental space you were in going into the round, um, but then the way that you started and really keeping it pretty solid all the way till the end, beating him.
2: I mean, I was really excited to go play that match. He had gotten the better of us most of that week. I think he was 3-0-1 going into that and the only other match that he had was against Bryson and I Friday afternoon. And we played pretty well to have that match. Um, And and the guys were excited for me, too. That was was what was really cool. I found out how I was playing against him. I was in the training room getting worked on, and DJ got a text with the pairings on it, and he was all jacked up for me because I was the one who was able to play ROM. And those little things that kind of happened in the team room was really cool. It wasn't like anybody was, you know, extra nervous for me playing against him, me being – probably one of the last guys on the team and the lowest ranked player. Um, So that things like that are really special. And that was what was really cool about our team atmosphere and going into the match. I just wanted to get off to a good start. I mean, literally just hit the fairway on one was all I was thinking about. Just, I mean, gotta get off to a good start. And he gave me an opening on number one, didn't hit a great wedge shot. And I took advantage of it. And from then on, I just kind of got rolling and, it's I I built a big lead but once again you don't really feel safe I mean I lost number five to go three down and then I birdied six to have the hole or sorry three up and birdied six to stay three up Mm -hmm. and with a player like that I I mean a lead is never never comfortable I had actually I got up pretty big on him in the match play this year in Austin as well and he kind of he can pull some stuff out of his hat pretty quick and I mean he ended up chipping on me on that match in Austin and doing all kinds of stuff and um, I definitely didn't feel safe at 3-up.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: Now, how did that compare to you being on the Walker Cup team and, and playing those
2: team events um, back 2017? Yeah, t- the team events are, I mean, they're my favorite memories from my golf career by far. Just being able to play with a partner, representing your country is extremely special, and I've played both of them in front of a home crowd, which is really cool as well, just to have that kind of crazy support because you go through a PGA Tour schedule, you know playing 25 weeks weeks a year and i mean nobody watches me play golf on the pj tour thursday through sunday so <laughs> going into those team events when you got a crazy crowd is is really exciting do you remember do you remember the final like point score from that walker walker cup i don't remember exactly but i remember it was very lopsided i think in both of those tournaments it was some of the l- most lopsided wins that we had um and you were on both was,
0: teams so that makes sense so yeah yeah yeah, and I was I like
2: arguably that. one of the last guys on both of those teams, too. I wasn't ever really locked into my spot, yeah. so <laughs> just fortunate to be a part of the ride. And yeah, we did see
0: uh, kind of a different look of, you know, a young team at the Ryder Cup and some fun antics on the first tee um, with, with Berger and Justin Thomas.
2: Why don't you uh, tell us about that? So, I, I didn't witness any of that. I was out on the course playing, but we heard a little bit after about what happened, and I think those guys were put in a position where they didn't really have a choice on what to do because they were trying to get the crowd amped up, and then all of a sudden they're throwing down a couple beers to the guys and yelling, chug it, chug it. I mean, (laughs) you don't really have much of a choice at that point. And um, JT actually had a a really funny moment in the team room that night. Um, Strix kind of gave us just a real quick speech after Saturday's matches, just saying, good job, you know, yada, 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 stay focused, get ready for tomorrow. And then he finished it off with, and please don't chug any more beers on the first tee. And JT just popped off and goes, "Well, should have played me. I would have done it." <laughs> and, we, <laughs> and we all had a good laugh. And that's you know, that's. Incredible. I think that speaks to a lot about how the team room was. It was a pretty loose environment, and guys were just having a ton of fun.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So before we move on, I just I I had to look up see what the the final uh, total points was from the Walker Cup 2017. It was 19 to seven. 19 to seven. That's a pretty pretty dominant win love that
0: (laughs) so we obviously see competitiveness play out on the pga tour really plays out in those team events and you're also a really good basketball player and i remember being at the fort worth retreat and watching you shoot around and we were just chatting and we probably chatted for five minutes and i realized you didn't miss a shot shooting around for a while i'm
2: really good in (laughs) warm-ups
0: yes that's yeah that's good What's your basketball background? How did you get into loving the game?
2: I always kind of gravitated towards basketball. I played pretty much all sports growing up, football, lacrosse, baseball, soccer, pretty much anything that was competitive I tried to play. And I ended up playing basketball through high school because that's what my friends did, and I just had a great time playing with them all through high school. Came off the bench um, in high school. I just really like – I mean, pickup basketball is one of my favorite things to do. So when we go to the retreat and we're playing basketball for – you know, four or five hours a day is, is really fun for me.
0: Now, who are some of the best guys you've played against?
2: In basketball? Yeah. So, two of the guys from my high school team ended up playing college basketball. Um, I'll try to think. I can't even really remember just because I, I definitely wasn't guarding the best player on the team. So, whoever, whoever <laughs> the really good guys were, I didn't really go head-to-head with them.
0: Now, you know, you've got your CGF retreat coming up co-hosting with Sam Burns and I've got you know some inside info for the guys going to your retreat from the real MJ Mr. Marcus Jones and so he's got I I want you to clarify for me he said that you only drive to the left and that you just got to shut down Scotty's drive to the left shut down that left
2: hand what you got any thoughts for for MJ I think he's right because I never noticed that about myself. Because everybody thinks since you're right-handed, you drive to the right. But it's actually much easier to, to pull up for a jump shot when you're driving left. And so I guess I've always felt that I have more options going left, and no one really expects for me to do that. Probably because I'm also really not that good of a dribbler. Except and, for <laughs> except for Marcus Jones. Apparently, yes. <laughs> he's
1: been he's been scouting you. Yeah, for very years. much.
2: Yeah, you wouldn't know by talking to him. Marcus is actually a pretty smart guy. Uh, <laughs> He did follow it up with,
0: if you shut down that drive, um, you, you also have to just hope he misses the three, which probably isn't going to happen. <laughs> That's so, so That's true.
1: Yeah, so speaking yeah. of your, your retreat, how were you introduced to CGF? What, what did that look like? Who was the first staff guy you met, and what is your relationship, and really your growth, maybe your walk with the Lord looked like since? Uh.
2: Yeah, so Marcus was actually the first staff guy that I think I got to know really well. I knew Dragan when I was a lot younger, but he was playing college golf then, and I was introduced to CGF when I was in college, Marcus actually invited me to a few retreats and you know, I think the first one I went to when I was a freshman for like an hour and then left um, and I kind of every year I started gradually going like a little longer um, but I, I just really gravitated towards y'all's organization, um, learning about Jesus, I, I came to Christ in college um, mostly due to CGF and just being introduced to who the Lord really is and um, you know, I have a lot of gratitude towards you all for that. And, yeah.
0: And, and so, you know, you were introduced to what Christianity was during college, it sounds like. Um, CGF played a big role. CGF still plays a role with kind of the community you have out here on tour. What does it look like to, you know, live a Christian life or cultivate that
2: during the week on a PGA tour? I mean, just week to week – just having certain guys that we spend our time with out here, I I have a good Bible study that that Brad Payne leads, and just spending time in the Word and spending time with other believers is is really special, and it's great to have that community out here on the road because this can be a pretty lonely place, and so that's that's really important just to have that good community out here.
1: So, I mean, speaking of community, who would you say maybe your best friend or some of your best friends are out on tour? Yeah,
2: so Sam Burns, who we'll host a retreat with here in a few weeks, is one of my good buddies. Our, our wife, our wives are really close, and same with Kramer Hickok. He, um, I think all three of them, our wives, are all super close. And um, I think Kramer and Sam were in each other's weddings, and I played college golf with Kramer, so we're all we're all pretty tight.
0: That's awesome, and you've been traveling <laughs> with your wife now for. Are you coming up on a year?
2: Coming up, almost exactly on a year. We got anniversary coming up in about two weeks, so I gotta you know start making some plans, but. Traveling with my wife has been amazing because up until this year, she basically didn't come out to any tournaments, maybe one or two. And then right when we got married, it was total flip of the switch. She's come to every one, so it's been it's been really fun.
0: Now she's a Texas A and is that right. Yes. What
2: what she, is she's a bad Aggie though? A bad Aggie. Yeah. Okay. So it's not. So a we lot can of get along. Okay. No. <laughs> okay. She's a two percenter, but I have I have two sisters that are diehard diehard Aggies. And so we got we got all kinds of crazy stuff going on between the Longhorns and the Aggies and right now they're winning the the battle with the football teams.
0: So, now you um you met her before she ended up choosing to go be an Aggie, yes. right? How did you how did you meet Meredith?
2: So, we met in high school. Um I met her right before freshman year and I um always kind of gravitated towards her you know, she didn't really, you know, see me at first. I was always kind of looking at her. She didn't really even notice that I was there at first, but we ended up starting going on dates at the beginning of our senior year. And, um, we actually broke up right before going to separate colleges just cause we had only dated for eight or 10 months. And it seemed like the right decision to kind of go our separate ways and try different schools just cause we felt like the Lord was leading us in different directions, going to different colleges, but ended up getting back together a few months later and I think we dated for seven years before we got married in total. Wow. Yeah, a long time. I, I waited a few extra years. That I probably shouldn't have. <laughs>
0: All right, so you start at Texas. And
2: uh how was it? Tell us about your freshman year. What was that like? So my freshman year, when I first got to school, I was really lost. Um, I would say that I was very insecure, extremely shy. I didn't have a ton of self-confidence, and that's because I didn't, have a faith. I didn't have really a purpose. I didn't know what I was doing. And so you're able to live, you know, under the guidance of your parents and, you know, get surrounded by friends and be distracted and things in high school. But all of a sudden you get to college and I'm all alone and I just have no idea what to do. And that's when Marcus kind of came into my life and we started talking about a few different things about faith. And I started to go to church on my own and just learning about who Jesus was basically.
0: Now, like a struggle struggle during college, do you have... I remember you had back pain, is that is that right?
2: Yeah, so yeah. I still remember it like it's yesterday because every time it rains, I kind of get PTSD. But what happened was my freshman year, I felt great the whole year. I played good. I was able to win a couple times, um, whatever it was. I played good my freshman year. Going into sophomore year at the USAM at Olympia Fields, I... I'm playing some of the best golf I've played in my life. And going into the tournament, I'm playing fantastic. Everything's feeling good. Start on number one at Olympia Fields. I birdie it, the par five, make a birdie. We get to number two. There's this tremendous downpour. And my body kind of just cools down with the rain. Temperature goes down. And all of a sudden, my back just locks up. And basically, for the better part of two years, I played golf in a decent amount of pain. Just. First of all, because I love playing golf, and I was on the team, and I could still play decent, but day-to-day stuff was pretty brutal just with how my body was. My hips got so far out of whack that it put so much stress on my lower back that no matter basically what happened, I couldn't get my hips back in line, and you know, the people at UT couldn't figure it out because we looked too much at the spine to see what was going on, and there was actually nothing wrong with my spine. It was just my body was so out of whack that it was just putting stress on areas where it shouldn't have been, and that was a really long couple of years trying to figure out how to swing a golf club. Being Yeah. And
0: when did you get an idea of what exactly needed to be fixed to get it better?
2: Um, so I've worked with the same trainer since high school and he's been a big asset to me, in my professional life. He travels with us every week out here. Um, his name is Troy Van Biesen and um, he's kind of the one who basically keeps me in line now. And it's something that I didn't really know how to fix at the time. And it's not a, uh, a popular way of thinking. I think with, certain trainers and chiropractors it's a little bit of a different viewpoint on how to protect your body and so I needed kind of a constant like watching eye because basically I'd get into these patterns where I would adjust to the pain and it would only make it worse because of the way my golf swing worked I would start adjusting to the pain and then other stuff would start going wrong and my reverse C would get bigger and I wouldn't load into my right side. And so then I'd put more stress on my right lower back and it was kind of the snowballing effect to where we had a good idea of what it was after about a year, but fixing it was a whole different story because I still had to learn kind of had to rework my golf swing and, you know, try and make decent contact with the ball again. Yeah.
0: So you might've been playing without pain at some points, but that was cause you're, you were making some sort of swing adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's, It's fun to battle while you're also trying to figure out this PGA Tour life and and competing. What does a a week look like for you? Like we're here at RSM, it's Thursday night, you've already played the first round. What does a normal PGA Tour week look like? Just in
2: terms of showing up and what we do?
0: Yeah, walk us through Monday through Sunday.
2: So usually Monday I'll travel Monday. Monday's my travel day, so when we're playing week to week, I always take Monday off just for fatigues, purposes, just – get a mental rest, physical rest. And, um, I'll go to the golf course Tuesday. I'll play nine holes, practice a little bit. Um, Wednesday is usually another nine holes. Now that the programs are nine holes, which is fantastic. So I'll be able to play the full course on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then just going into the week, um, hopefully make it to the weekend and just start playing golf. I mean, I don't, have like a extremely strict schedule that I stick to every week. I kind of, you know, it depends on the facilities at the golf course and what I feel like I need to work on to get prepared for the week. But most of the time I, I try not to do too much on Tuesday, Wednesday, just get ready for the, for the tournament.
0: Yeah. And is there anything like, as you look to be getting, being a better golfer, how you work on your game as Scotty Scheffler, is there anything unique about how you work on you playing your best golf?
2: I don't know if it's necessarily unique to me, but I've noticed just over time when people try to make these extremely drastic changes to their golf swing to try and make it to the PGA Tour, they have a tendency to struggle. And there's not a huge difference between guys on the PGA Tour and guys in college. The guys on the PGA Tour are just a lot more refined than people in college. It's not like they hit it 100 times better than I did in college. It's just that their games are a little bit more refined. They're tougher mentally. And so for me, I'm always trying to make little changes to continue to get better versus making these huge swing adjustments or, you know, drastic ball flight changes to try and compete out here. You just have to get a little bit better over time. You're not going to find this instant fix that takes you to where you need to go.
1: That's great. Are there any, uh, are there any practice drills that you could that like easy, simple drills you could maybe offer to these guys listening? Whether it's on wedges, putting, just what one that sticks out to you that guys can put into practice and help their games? Yeah. Just so,
2: so wedges, I practice my wedges a ton on the range, and I think that's one of the skills, or sorry, practice wedging and mid-range shots. So when I say mid-range shots, I'm talking about if I hit my seven iron one eighty-five, and I hit my 8-iron, 171, the distance in between there. And that is an extremely, I think, underrated skill for guys. And so, for me, not necessarily drills, but just how to practice it. Um, I use my track man and just hit numbers while I'm practicing. But if you don't have access to a track man or decent range balls, you can just go out on the course. And if you go out there and you have a shot and you're 177, you, you don't have to start moving around in the fairway. You can just hit different shots, different pins on the green. and Just practice maneuvering shots versus playing golf swing on the driving range. One of the things that's really important to me is seeing and creating shots versus thinking about numbers or positions in the golf swing.
0: Man, that is so good because it's so often that I hear, um, and myself included, just going, man, I was just in between clubs all day. Couldn't figure it out. Well,
2: I mean, that's a very common thing, and I still feel that way. It's not as easy to hit a three-quarter cut into a front-right pin when I can just hit a stock eight iron. Like when you're in between clubs, right. that's a thing, but taking those rounds and having those shots over the course of a four-day tournament is extremely important, because it may not be an obvious, you know it's going to save me two shots around, but if it saves me a shot a tournament, when you need to look out, out over the course of the year, that's tremendous. It's a huge advantage. That is.
0: Jace, you got some uh, fun questions that we could ask him here at the end. I know yeah. we had some good ones with Seth.
1: Yeah, think? let's do some rapid fire. We'll give you like five questions. Just first answer that comes into your head. Go with it. Quick them. answers? Or? Yeah, just quick answers. Uh, what is your biggest fear? Heights. Heights. I think you mentioned that there's a story that goes along with heights. Maybe oh, like yeah, hiking. yeah. Let's <laughs> tell the story and then we'll do another four. Uh, this is going to be a longer one. but Yeah, so um,
2: we went on vacation two years ago with now my wife's family. We were just dating at the time. And they took us to their house in Telluride, Colorado. And Meredith has always wanted to take me skiing. I've never been skiing. I don't like heights. I don't know how to ski. I don't want to hurt myself. So we go in the summertime, which I'm like, this is great. We'll just go hiking. It'll be fun. And we're hiking up the ski slopes, but they're obviously, you know, not snow because it's summertime. And I'm looking around, just being like, thank the Lord. This is not the wintertime. I don't have to ski. But eventually we start going high enough up on this mountain where... I think it was a little bit earlier in the summer, so the snow hadn't melted off. And so I'm in my regular sneakers hiking up, like, the side of this cliff. And we pass, like, the don't go signs. It's, like, the path is closed back here. we end up getting to this, like, embankment where we're going to go from one ski, like, runway to another one. And it's this slope of pretty much ice and then a cliff. And I'm like, okay. You're going to walk that way, like this is happening. And we did it for a while, and we get to another point, and you start turning up this way, and it gets even narrower. And I'm like, if I slip, I'm going down off this cliff. And we're out there. We're with Meredith, her sister, her cousin, who is the adrenaline junkie taking us on this journey, hiking in my sneakers on ice up the side of this mountain. And I'm basically, like, getting ready to have a panic attack here because all I see is myself just sliding down off that little ice embankment off the cliff and her sister she's kind of afraid like I am and she starts crying and I'm like this is great she's crying this is perfect we're turning around and so I just start going Haley Haley she's crying we're going and we just turn around and dipped out and that was it and I was like I've never been so happy to see someone I'm close to just start crying. It was just, I, I couldn't have been happier watching her cry. I'm like, all right, Steffi, let's go. This is perfect.
0: How much longer would you have gone before you started crying? That's a 20 great 20 feet,
2: question. maybe. 20 feet. I, oh, yeah. I, I yeah. literally couldn't have done it. I was ready to start crying, and she started crying. I was like, this is amazing. Let's go.
1: Wow. That is, that's a great story. That's great. All, all right, right, so let's, let's do it. You have another one?
0: Yeah, favorite restaurant anywhere on the PGA Tour circuit. What you got?
2: Chipotle. Chipotle.
0: Favorite meal during the day, breakfast, lunch,
2: or dinner? Breakfast. All right. What's your go-to? So this week is the best breakfast spread on tour by far. So today I had an omelet with sausage and peppers and a little bit of cheese, some bacon, and then they have like the little toast section where they make your toast. So I had two pieces of rye toast, and then they had pineapple and some berries and then a smoothie station. So I had, Man. you know, the pineapple berries and took down a smoothie with like banana, protein powder, peanut butter, you know, spinach, all that kind of crazy stuff. It's awesome. That's great. <laughs> Sounds rough. It was, so I rough. mean, seriously, best one of the year. It's not even close.
1: I love that. <laughs> all right. And the last two, uh, dream foursome, um, dead or alive. It doesn't matter. You can include dead and alive. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay. Um, tiger for sure. Probably Michael Jordan. Hmm. Um, probably Roger Federer, too. Just go with all the great athletes. That'd be awesome. Learn from those guys. That is that is good. All right, my
0: last question for you. All right, Monday, you got to start a new career other than golf. What is it? Table tennis. Okay, well.
1: <laughs> Not the answer we, I was we expecting. We can't just end on that. <laughs>
0: Give us a ranking on the PGA Tour, you compared to the other, table tennis.
2: You know, I haven't played that much table tennis with the guys out here. I know Freddie Jakobson is the best, and that's undisputed by anybody. I know Kuchar's supposed to be really good, but Freddie is, like, way better than the rest of us, hands down. You versus Ben Crane. You know, we were actually talking about that last night, and I might need to practice for a week or so, but... I'm going to say on here, because he's not in the room, that yes, I'll for sure beat Ben Crane.
0: <laughs> wow, that that's hot. Because we were at his retreat one time. We had a whole tournament to find the two best guys in the retreat. They took on Crane, and I believe it was Wes Williams. And Wes and Crane skunked these two guys that we spent the whole retreat
2: having a tournament to find the two best. So, he's pretty solid. No, Crane's – he. we ran into him last night in here, and he was telling me about it, so – I'm pretty sure I'd lose to him, but since he's not here, I'm going to say that. I think that's great. And I, there's no table present, and there's no ping pong paddles, so for sure,
1: I beat Ben. For sure, Ben. Well, <laughs> Perfect. That, just, that sounds uh, like we need to do a crane and shuffler retreat at some point and do some ping pong. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. Scotty, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, yeah, thank you so y'all. much for Appreciate hanging out it. with these guys. That was great. <laughs> Thanks for taking the time to listen to the Golf Life Faith podcast. Whether you're a college golfer, a coach, or you just love golf, we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, please email us at podcast at collegegolffellowship.com. Also, check us out on Instagram at collegegolffellowship and on Twitter at CGF Tweet. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and be on the lookout for the next episode next month. Cheers.